Are we good? Okay. If you remember, we asked uh, in the overview, you know, we, we've talked about what is it that we're going to teach if we're going to be uh, a church or if you're going to have private ministry to uh, your neighbors or friends or family um, or maybe your, 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 your workspace. What are you going to teach? Um, as Christians, obviously, we believe in the Bible. There's a lot in here. What are we going to do? We also ask the question, hi, that's one thing, but what do we want to see happen in the lives of our people? Um, so as your session, for example, um, pastors included, like we, what do we want to see happen to y'all? Whether you're members of this church or just visitors, um, you ask those same questions about your people. What do you want to see happen in the lives of your kids? What do you want, what do you want to see happen in the lives of your friends who hopefully you're talking to um, yeah, I just hope, hope that you're talking to them. Um, and also, perhaps talking to them about Jesus as well, should the uh, opportunity arise. And I think that's an interesting question because like, the, for the purpose of doing a philosophy of ministry course is that we tend to not think about these questions. This sort of, we show up the church and church just sort of happens. It's kind of the, the default. And there, there couldn't be something more important to think about um, then what is the end game here? What is actual fruit uh, for our labors, for ministry, and biblical fruit at that? And uh, because there's a lot of confusion about how this happens, or even, you know, some, people, you know, some people's idea of fruit is not really fruit, um, put it that way. So that's where we're going to be. And um, you'll notice there's all, whatever leftover handouts we've had from the past four or five weeks are over there. And we've just sort of worked our way up the tree from the roots to the trunk to now the fruit. So I want to go through these and then I want to pause for questions and then we'll go to graduation ceremonies. Okay. So the, the, first, um, the first fruit that I, I, would, I would offer you is what we call uh, growth in grace or growing in grace. You can write that in there. <clears throat> and growing in grace is nothing more then um, it's kind of twofold. It, it is the, the, you know, the, the, um, the participle there, right? Yeah. Or prep, yeah. Preposition? Let's get that. Yeah. The participle. Yeah, no, wait. Yeah, the, the, the growing. Participle. Yeah, participle. I, I got it right the first time, right? It's ongoing, right? So, some some people think this. They think, okay, when I become a Christian and I believe in Jesus and I receive the gospel, I hear the gospel, that's the last time I need to hear the gospel. (laughs) Um, Because I'm saved. And that's right, you are. But that's not, not, we don't see that in Scripture. As a matter of fact, I need to hear the gospel every day because why? I forget it. Or um, I actually believe in sin, and so my sin takes me in different areas where I need to come back and hear the gospel of forgiveness, which is the gospel of grace. Um, all right, we're going we're gonna to have a confession of sin in here in the, in the worship service like we do every Sunday. Why do we have that there? Aren't we all Christians? You know, we all believe that we all get washed in the blood already? Well, of course we did. But this is about relationship, and this is about, hey, we are still of the flesh, and we are in a relationship with God, and we have... Um, and some, some, you know, all shapes, forms, and sizes, we have, uh, we have sinned this week. And we need to confess that because when we confess that, what do we receive at the end of that? His forgiveness. That is the gospel. 
That's being reminded of the gospel. And we grow when we, when we receive that. Um, we stop thinking, okay, now this is my time to get it right. I've got I've to muscle through here. I didn't have a great week, but this next week I'm going to really show God that I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this. And, and, and then we, you know, maybe we look for some type of inspiration for, for Sunday sermon or for some, something. And we kind of give that week the old college try. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this, is, this is who I am, but God loves me anyways. And he has died for me. And I want to return to that forgiveness um, by way of confessing, because that's what a relationship is and what a relationship requires. So that's the gospel. It's part of it. And if we're growing in this gospel, growing in grace, then two things are happening. We are constantly um, learning more about our sin, which means we're constantly learning more about God's forgiveness and love for us. All right? And so if we are growing in that, that is not just a vertical relationship that also must become a what horizontal relationship the way that i begin to treat chris jordan should be a demonstration of what i am learning about my relationship with with god himself so if i'm growing in grace if i'm growing in this understanding of the grace that god has given me that has got to begin to show up in the way that i treat chris jordan that's a fruit that's what we mean by growing in grace Real simple illustration, just to go back to the college campus. Um, we talk about this in terms of roommates because oftentimes it's the first time that you're kind of going away and you're having to be you know, stuck with somebody that you don't know or maybe at some point we know what's certainly true is that you, you aren't going to like that person. And, and so, um, you know, what do, we, what do we do? We either we're going to bail. Uh, we, we tend to, I just, I'll just avoid that person. Um, we tend to complain about how messy that person is or how annoying that person is, whatever. And we rarely turn our eyes to ourselves and say, well, what kind of roommate are you being? You know, are you picking up your clothes? Have you asked lately how that person is doing? Um, have you begun to be patient with that person? What? You know, this is kind of the dialogue. Um, it, this is all growing in grace. If, if I, as a Christian, at 37 can begin to reflect on the ways that God has been patient with me because he has, right? I am, like the sin of my life just keeps getting more wretched as he reveals it. I hate it. And I didn't just grow up and all of a sudden become this perfect Christian. I'm not, but like I'm this professional Christian now, right? And, and you all didn't either. Y'all, y- y'all are at a place in your life, which is great, but a lot of that, I mean, that's because the Holy Spirit has what been patient with you. He's not done with you. Okay, growing in grace looks like if God has been patient with me up to this point, can't I begin to be patient with other people? Can that love transform into being patient with others as, as they grow? Right? We're not all in the same place. That's growing in grace. That is a fruit. That is a fruit that has worked out because you've been taught the principles of justification. You, you know about sanctification, how we grow, Right? Right? You're part of this larger story of glorification where we're going somewhere. Right? You believe in, in the authority of Scripture that talks about this grace. And as, as we take that in, that's what we begin to want to see in our lives and in, in, in our people, is that we're growing in how we um, distribute that grace to other people and in our own knowledge of how gracious God has been to us. So the hard, the hard thing to say about this is, 
you know, it, it's not at this point to sort of say, well, how are you doing with that? You know, you can, that, that's, what, that's what one-on-ones are for. Let's go talk to our pastor about that. Let's talk to our friends about that. Our, you know, our good, good close friends that we trust. Hey, what do you, where do you see me growing in grace in my life? And be honest. Do I, am I a patient person to you? I think that I am, but you know what? You know what's really interesting for me is when I go over to uh, like my brother's house or when we're around and I see the way he handles his kids and I begin to get a little judgmental. Um, man, you really kind of yelled at them, didn't you? But then I start thinking, I wonder what he thinks about me when he's at my house. And I asked him that and he goes, you know what? There's some times where I'm pretty surprised at the way that you talk to your kids. Oh. Okay, okay. Am I willing to open myself up to that and say, hey, what do you see? How am I dealing with my neighbors? How am I dealing with my people at work? And who can I talk to you about this? Um, So that I can begin to have eyes to see in my life where I'm not going to be able to, you know, my blind spots are. People can point out to me, hey, you know what? I'm just going to be very honest with you because I love you. Here's something I've noticed over the past six months. You've you've been very angry and short-wicked, you know. You have had, it seems like the, the smallest things begins to set you off. And sometimes it's just, can just be, you know, the, the smallest thing. Why do you think that is? And we do that, not to throw that in anybody's face, but because we believe that the Holy Spirit is, gro- part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is part of that sanctification process, right? We talked about last week, is growing us in this direction of being more gracious to ourselves and with others as well. Because that's the gospel. So we could keep talking about that, but I would encourage y'all to make this a part of your dialogue with your friends, your spouses. Um, it's a good litmus test, and, um, and, and it's also a good exercise when you hear stuff you don't want to hear to fall back on the gospel. Okay, this is, this is, this is where my identity comes from. This is where my trust comes from. Okay, so that's growing in grace. The next thing that we want to see, this is a very general phrase, is we want to see fruit in in the area of evangelism and missions. Huge topics. But basically what this is saying is that if the principles are doing their job, if the gospel is being worked in, then I'm also beginning to have and develop a a heart for the lost. Um, And this would be a fruit of the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, Many reasons for that. First one is... What does the gospel first say about you? We sing it in amazing grace. I was lost, but now I am found. All right, that is the grace of God. Okay, so part of that understanding, working that in, and again, some of these fruits overlap because this is growing in grace. But part of that means, okay, I want to begin to have a heart for the lost. I want to begin to go into places or go speak to people that, you know, that haven't heard this news. Or maybe they've heard it, but they haven't thought about it, and they really need... Um, you know, the Lord would use me in a certain way uh, to help with that. Um, so developing a heart for the lost. Uh, I also phrase this as developing a heart, loving the things that Jesus loves. That's who we want to become. That's a fruit. Um, so it's not that we sort of got our salvation, we're ready to go. We're at, we actually believe that, that, that God is changing us and making us more into the image of Christ. And part of that means that we begin to love the things that he loves. And so if we start just looking, a brief look at the Gospels, who do we see him loving in the Gospels? Throw this out. What? The poor? The what? The lost. The lost. The marginalized. 
the people that nobody wants to deal with and talk to. Um, not just the movers and shakers, right? So, so what that means then as far as a fruit is, okay, the gospel is being worked in over years. It doesn't mean that everybody just starts signing up to go to Africa. It doesn't mean that everybody just starts signing up to go to Juarez as well. That might be a part of that. But maybe it just means that you just, your eyes change for your own street block. Like your eyes change when you go to work as to who has God because he's sovereign. Who has he put around me? Um, and man, I've been really thinking about caring for lost people because that's who I was. And that's got to mean, that's got to have some demands on my life. I can't just harness that in. Again, that's the vertical part. What's the horizontal component? Where is that being worked out in, in the real world? So that's the second fruit. The third fruit would be uh, hospitality and service. Again, very general, but are we, are we willing... I'm trying to think about where to, where to hook this onto. For the hospitality component, you know, are we willing to open our lives up to others? Now, the Bible gets more specific than this. It's not just others, right? Are we opening our lives to our friends? But it's not just friends. It's also strangers. But it's not just strangers. It's also our enemies, these are the people. These are the people categories that we see Jesus um, dealing with, and Jesus um, ministering to his people about saying, "You know, you have to forgive these people. You have to love these people." Now, this doesn't mean that if someone has, you know, harmed you directly. That maybe it's the smartest thing to allow them into your home. That's not necessarily what this is saying. Um, that you know needs to be talked about. But hospitality means um, that we are we have eyes for the stranger. Eyes for the person who doesn't have a home. Eyes for the person who doesn't have a place, the marginalized. Um, but I, I would say also it's, it's here in this body. Um, I, there, there are, a church this size, there are many people in this church who are lonely. They don't know anybody. But we think we know each other because we're all sort of here and we're all going to be in there. And I've seen that person, that person's been here at least two years, and I can't remember their name, but I think they've been here. But we feel like we're all connected. But I guarantee you, if you started polling our congregation, you would have people... I, I've been here for five years, and I, I don't know if I really... I've been in the two homes. And that's not a shaming comment. That is just, that is just the reality for what it's like. It's hard to make friends. Especially people have moved into different... Moved into Fort Worth later in life. You know, Maybe some people have been here longer. They've got roots and all that. Um, hospitality says, I'm looking for the people who just moved here because of a job transfer or because, you know, and, and I recognize how hard it was for me when my family moved here when we transferred jobs. I remember, I remember how hard and painful those two years were. This is growing in grace. Um, and I want to open my home to those people. Maybe somebody in the church decides this kind of like, actually, this is what we're going to be about. We can't be about everything, but I'm going to be about really trying to bring people into our home who are just moving here for work or whatever reason. And wouldn't that be cool? Not that not that, that relinquishes the job of everybody, but just like this is what this, this may be a, a real tangible example of what that looks like for hospitality. Some of us, um, you know, might say, "Look, I want to offer lunch at my house at least once a month, and I want to." Um, I want it to be about 
Uh, you know, maybe there's a certain group of people you're trying to bring in. Maybe it's, maybe it's visitors. Maybe it's people who've just joined the church. So those people that get up there and make vows and stand and wave at everybody. All right, those are the people I'm going to start with. I, want, I really want to get to know them. Just start somewhere is really what, what this is about. But hospitality says I want to create a place to bring those people in, both our friends, strangers, and enemies. Um, what does enemies look like? Um, I want to be careful about this, but I think that in one of the ways that, that this looks like is, first of all, pro- potentially going to people um, that, you know, not just necessarily in- enemies of, of yourself, enemies necessarily of, uh, you know, people who have harmed you specifically, but um, people that you probably would think of as folks who want to have nothing to do with God's church. Um, and that ministry requires, I mean, all these ministries require those gifts, certain gifts for those things. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on that. We, I'd be happy to talk with you all about that if that's something you're more interested about. But um, I, th- I drew this up on the map or up on the board yesterday. When we talk about hospitality and service, you know, we, we said, this is, if you remember this comment from last week, we want to be, um, our mission is to be communal, which our mission is, is to create a body of people, a group of people to be worshipers, right? This is Old Testament Israel. God chose a people. So we're going to be, our, our, our mission is to be communal, but our community must begin to be missional, to go out. This is the outward part of that, hospitality and service. And... Um, that certainly people are more gifted in that than others, but that, that, that gift in this doesn't mean that we're not all kind of responsible for that in some degree. And I would also say that the way that you get good at this is you just do it. Uh, so I want to challenge you all with that. Lastly, a biblical world and life view. Um, what, what that means is that we begin to, to, to see the world as owned and, and bought and purchased by God. And uh, I think it's... Um, uh, Kuiper has that quote that there's no square inch of this world that God doesn't look at and say, that's mine. You know, even, even the sunny, happy places and even the dark places of this world. All of it's his. And so, so one of the practical applications of that is there is no sacred, secular dichotomy in Scripture. There's nothing. Your profession is no more sacred than mine. Why? Because God loves all things. He's created all things. All these things are His. All these things work together at, for his, his good and for His kingdom. All right? there, there isn't this idea that, all right, well, I got this nine to fiver, but I really want to do something important for God. I really want to uh, do something He's really going to love, so I'm going to start teaching Sunday school. That is not a biblical world and life view. Um, you can actually go teach a Sunday school in your workplace. I can't go there and do that. So you have actually more privilege to do and reach places, people in places that I can't do. I'm stuck with y'all. You know? <laughs> um, but we just begin to begin to kind of stop thinking in light of some of the categories that have been placed on us for a number of different reasons. Could be our upbringing, could be um, our culture. But the, the, the theology of Scripture does not place the sacred secular divide that we sometimes do because God is in the business of redeeming all things, which means culture. He's in the business of redeeming culture. It's music, arts, it's technology, it's, you know, that's everything that, that makes up culture. And Christians need to be in the midst of that, right in the middle of it, leading the way. 
So um, I hope that, that that is something that begins to develop in your life as a fruit um, by virtue of these principles that we begin to teach and talk about. So those are the four, those are four categories to start with. I'm sure there's more in, this, in, in, the, in the practical broad range of fruit. But uh, the last thing I'll say about fruit is that a tree is not healthy if it's just sort of got, you know, lopsided fruit. You know, if you may be killing it in the growing and grace, you know, the department of things. Um, but evangelism and missions, you know, uh, you know, like it's just dying on the vine. <laughs> what, what, what an objective from, for myself and hopefully for y'all is, is to begin to see the, the well-roundedness of that. Okay? And that's a lifetime. This is a lifetime, y'all. doesn't mean we need to get this going by the end of the summer. But it's a starting place. It's what we want to see happen in the lives of our people because if this stuff is happening, this fruit is, is being produced, which is, which, which is grown by the Holy Spirit, it means that the gospel is getting taught and worked into your life. It's the only thing that has the ability to change you and the only thing that has the ability to, 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 to produce these things. Okay? All right, any questions on that before we get to the last thing? Are we a believer? Yeah. <clears throat> like, where is this showing up in my life? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll stay at the thirty thousand foot range because that's a, a, that requires a, a requires a one on one. But I think this is the beauty of community too. So, I mean, I've I'm, and I know my own life. I've 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 felt this way, but my, what I felt has not been reality. So, for example, um, you know, a lot of times when we are when we feel like we are the worst Christians because there's just some sin in our lives. There's apathy. There's, there's stuff that's really being exposed. And we really feel, we really feel like we're in the, you know, a valley of darkness. Um, the perception of that to ourselves is one thing. But when you begin to talk to people about that and say, you know, this is how I feel. Not all the time, but sometimes you might, you might be surprised to hear the other person say, you know what? Um, that's really interesting because I, I'm just going to be honest. Like I've not recognized more humility or just patience in someone than you over the past six months, and perhaps it's because of that trial. Um, and, and what I'm getting at at that point is we we gauge and value we we grade ourselves uh, in a very unbiblical manner. Um, we all have these. Uh, we all rank our sins, right? Um, if we all sat down and we just sort of wrote, what is, the, what is the worst thing that you could be doing? What's the worst sin? What's the least sin? Like, we would all have different lists. And we wake up in the morning, and we do this subconsciously, and we kind of look at those top two, and we're like, okay, if I can stay away from those two things, I'll be okay. Um, but if we don't, then all of a sudden our spirituality is killed, and we feel like we're not being a good Christian, or that God doesn't love me, or that what's the point? And all I can say about that is... is, is apart from it being just very unbiblical, is we come back to our principles, we come back to justification, that we are saved by grace. Okay, and we begin to remember and rework these truths back into our lives, which helps us understand these bad paradigms that we're living under. 
And we do that not alone, but we do that in a community of believers that actually gets to speak truth into our lives. So, yeah, you know, maybe I have seen this sort of apathy and despair in your life. How can I come alongside and encourage this? How can I come, not, I mean, encourage you not to be more apathetic and despair, but encourage you to come out of that. Let's, let's get together and talk about this. All right, let me, let me point you to some scriptures that have helped me in the past because I've experienced this too. And now all of a sudden the body of Christ is coming together and working uh, to sharpen one another. I think that to follow, the last thing I'd say about that question, this is an excellent question, is when we talk about fruit, and this is so important, you have got to think long-term. And so you, I encourage people to say, okay, at the least, you need to be thinking six months down the road. So in other words, if you're going home today wondering, all right, how did I do growing in grace? I don't, I don't know what you're going to say to yourself, but I don't know what you can really trust, too. Because maybe, maybe you did have a good day, but maybe you haven't experienced any temptation. Maybe you haven't experienced any type of persecution. Maybe you haven't experienced any type of whatever it is. And so we need seasons to show us these things. Um, the college campus is so easy in that, term, in that sense because you think about, go back, for those that were in college, for example, who were you as a freshman and then who were you as a senior? <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, that is, that is light years away of, of just who you thought you were. Now, look, if I had stopped you that freshman year somewhere in the month of October as the fall started and asked you to diagnose yourself in these fruits, um, that probably would have led you to more binge drinking. No, just kidding. But that would, have just, that would have been pointless. But when you begin to take those seasons and those gaps or those years to reflect and to think about these things... Um, man, you can kind of look back and say, I had no idea that was going on in my life. And, you know, when I think about who I was five years ago, uh, I just, okay, maybe God is at work in my life. Go back to presupposition. Um, maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit really is doing something with me. And, but, but, you know, what we learned and discovered was it, I thought it was going to come about this way. Or I thought I was going to start growing in these ways or being more like this person. And if I could sort of transition from here to the graduation, everybody in here is unique. We are all part of what the body of Christ, which means that God has gifted you specifically and, 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 and differently than everybody else in order to be a part of a body. So, you know, just to belabor that point, we're all not right hands, right? We need some left hands. But if the left hand's like, I want to be like that right hand, then this is where, this is where our confusion and frustration is going to be. So let me read for you uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll hand this out, and we will end, he- end here. Chapter 4, verse 11. This is really, what, this is really a good um, life verse for our church as far as <clears throat> what we want to see, how God is using the church, using its members, and, and what he, you know, how this philosophy of ministry really works into this stuff. So, um, beginning at verse 11, he says, And he gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, in other words, let me stop there for a second. He's giving us these things so that we might do what? 
grow up in one. Unity here. It's not, it's not that you know, one person begins to thrive and shine. The way we all grow is by being together. It's a plug for membership, by the way. Um, 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we, grow to, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that last word there is key. That we become a body that is growing itself up as Christ is our head, um, that we are doing so in love. All of this has love as its, as its point. Um, and that would, you know, let me, let me hand this out to you. Um, and this will be kind of your last, your last handout. But uh, if you have a pen or pencil, I want you to get that out too. So I was talking with two friends this week who who have been doing this class, and they let me in on something. Uh, they mentioned something that I thought was so insightful, and uh, I thought, I've got to talk about this. Um, and so here's what I want you to do before I just talk about This is the overview, obviously, of what, everything we've talked about in six weeks. Um, you see the one person standing on top of the, what are those things that he's, he or she is standing on? Presuppositions, right? The things that we believe, but that we don't think about or talk about before we go into ministry. Um, and we see this idea of reaching and equipping, which we just, just read in Ephesians 4. We're reaching people, we're equipping them with these things, Scripture, justification, sanctification. What are those? Principles. Principles. Yeah. And we have the avenues there in which we're doing those things. That's great. And you see as the arrow goes, it's impacting the heart of this other individual. And then out from that individual are coming these four things, which we just talked about, the fruit. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. <laughs> Come on, we can laugh at that. Good definition of ministry at the bottom there. Ministry is getting people to deal with God as he has revealed himself in his word. All right, so getting back to uh, what, what these few friends rec- helped me see is that oftentimes when we think about ministry or we think about the church, we think, especially in the realm of, of one-to-ones, which is you know, one-to-one meetings, is that this is, this is Pastor Darwin 
or, or Pastor Ryan um, meeting with me. Or this is Mr. Philip, Pastor Philip meeting with my son or daughter. Um, or this maybe is one of our elders. Yes, our elders meeting with me. And what I want you to do is I'm going to take your pen and I want you to write your name right there on that person standing on those presuppositions. <clears throat> and I want you to graduate knowing that now you are equipped and ready to start doing ministry in the lives of other people. Start being that person that's meeting with people and asking them these questions and you know, seeking to, do, to be in the life of others and not just uh, resting that responsibility on pastors or elders. Not that you are, <clears throat> but I tend to think the same way too. Um, and, and part of... The re- part of the reason we don't think like this is that we, we tend not to think that God wants to use us. And so some questions that I have uh, for you as we've kind of, um, you know, kind of gone down this path is, do you believe that you can be used for ministry? <clears throat> that sounds like a basic question, but I, I, I wonder if we sat in a room by ourselves and talked about that what the answers to that would be. And some of it, you know, I can imagine too, just stage of life, like, I, I'm sure he does, I'm sure I can be used for ministry, but I have, I, have, I have no time to even come up for air. All right? That is totally fine. Um, but I think it's a question we need to keep asking. And part of, asking, part of asking that question is getting into the details of our gifts, the way God has gifted me. How do I know how I'm gifted? The body will tell you. Right, you've been you've been awesome at the greeting team. Did you know that you kind of have these gifts of just welcoming people, all this stuff? What's that? It's the body telling people about where people are good and what they're doing. Somebody teaches Sunday school. You really had a a gift there of communication, so on and so forth. Um, Have you ever gone to someone's home and they just seem to effortlessly put all this thing together and create an environment where people can come in and have an enjoyable evening? of conversation and food and drink and that kind of thing, hospitality. But you all have gifts, and part of our job as Christians is to figure out what those are. And we figure out what those are through prayer. We figure out what those are by inviting people into our lives to speak into that, into, into that area of our life, um, by being members of churches where we are in front of Scripture, which is the gospel, just being worked in us over and over and over to produce these fruits. And uh, one, one other comment about fruit, who is, when you think about an apple tree, what is the apple for? Is the apple for the tree? The apple's for what? Somebody else, yeah. Your, the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in your life isn't for you. It is for these people. And their fruit in their life isn't for them, it is for you, ultimately. That's that horizontal component I keep referring to. <clears throat> Going, do you believe you, you, are, you can be used for ministry? Big question here. Um, another thought about this, I think that this looks more like the normal Christian life than we want it to, um, which is the pattern of ministry that Jesus gives us. And the pattern of ministry that Jesus gives us is it's incarnational, right? God becomes man, which means incarnational for us means that we, 
we, we try to take steps in the direction of getting into the lives of our friends or family or whoever it is that's incarnational. We care about the things that people care about. The other way to say that it's incarnational. There's the life of that ministry, but then there's a death and there's a resurrection. And what that means as far as the pattern of ministry in our lives is that this should probably hurt at some point. When we are when we are ministering to others, there's going to be a place in our in, in, in the life of that ministry where there's going to be a small d death. I don't know what that looks like, but if I am giving myself for my friends, am I giving myself for my family, giving myself for the strangers and even my enemies, um, just as Jesus has done for us and He did for this world, that that requires me to die to myself. And this probably is the thing that we are most scared of uh, when it comes to ministry. That when Jesus what calls us to follow him, he says, take up your cross and follow me. Should anybody follow me? Um, there's going to be death there. And no ministry, no fruit really comes without that death. But what's promised on the other side of that is, small r at this point, is resurrection. You're going to grow out of that. You're going to grow from that in ways that you can't even imagine. You're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to use those moments to produce the most fruit in you that you could, could ever imagine through that death and through that resurrection. That's how, that's how ministry in the Bible works. Um, if, if we all did reflection on our own lives, and we, we, we sort of charted the one or two places in our life that were the most cri- crisis moments, we could probably also say that this is the moment that I have grown the most from. Not, maybe, not, maybe not in the moment, but as we've traveled, we've, we've distanced ourselves from that a little bit. Because only, only in the presence of pain and sorrow and suffering are we in places where we are depending upon the grace of God in our lives. And when things are fine, I don't ask God for anything. That's just me. But it's when, when it hits the fan... Oh, where, where are you? I need you. That's, that's the pattern of ministry. And I, I don't say that to, to scare anybody or to say, hey, this is what it has to look like. I just say this is what it tends to look like. Don't be discouraged when you start to do ministry or as you already have been doing ministry. Don't be discouraged by those deaths, those little D deaths and little R resurrection moments. Um, yeah. Um, the last thing is, part of that pattern is, is that Jesus never gives his people a technique. I'm not giving you a technique. If I'm giving you a technique, uh, you have every right to leave the class. Um, that, that's not what ministry is about. It's about living this out in front of people, as Jesus did for us. And praying that the Holy Spirit would use that, uh, would bear fruit from that. Um, and you know, the, the best thing I can say about it is that is, that is the excitement of being a Christian is sort of the unknown. I'm, I'm going to offer myself up to the Holy spirit, to God himself, to use me in some way. I'm going to ask him to put me in places that I don't know that I would normally want to go in and I'm going to see what he's going to do. Look out, right? Yes.
because of the joy that was set before him, which was us. Mm-hmm. And so often, I think in ministry, we are scared of those deaths um, because we don't really actually love the people that we're ministering to. And so often it's just a repentance over, Lord, give me a heart for this person. Help me love this person like you love this person. Because when you think about the length that you would go to, um, to bring your children into relationship to Christ, like for them to know the love of Christ, like I'd do whatever it took without an issue, and I'd go willingly. Um, but when you ask me to do that for my neighbor, um, or your en- enemy, I've got a sincere boundary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so the difference is I love my children. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for them to know this God and his son. And um, even even though that's outside of my control, um, but I, I wouldn't hinder that in any way. And so... Um, you see Jesus doing the same for us. You see Jesus doing the same for us. And so often, if, like, if you're fearful of that death, if there's no joy in that death for you, then perhaps... That's a you issue because you really don't love that person. And that's fine. That's where you are. And, and God can remedy that and see what he can do. But, um, but I think, I think I, as I've gotten to know people in my life who I want to know Christ, and, I, and as I've learned how much it's going to take for that to happen and what it might take and like the patience it might take and time, the length of time it might take and the heartbreak that might really be there if that never happens, you start to realize... I love this. I would do whatever it took. Whatever mm-hmm. God needs me to do, I'll do it. Yeah. Let me use that example. Is, is when I say we're not giving a technique and Jesus doesn't give technique, technique would say you do A, B, and C and you will get this conversion or you will get this love for these people. What Ada is saying, which I appreciate so much, is that the reality is, is we don't have the love for this person. And, and the technique there would just crumble us if that's what we think, all right, then I'm not a Christian because I'm not growing in grace in this way. The model of ministry is stop, come back to the component of confession and ask for forgiveness, ask God to, to give you a love for that. Isn't that the model that we see happening throughout Scripture as well? And, and what is happening in that? That's a small death and that's a, a small R resurrection. You're changing. You're becoming something new. just want to use that to highlight what, what, I, what we mean by technique. Because oftentimes we can think that. But every moment is a moment to grow in the graces of our Lord, even if the outcome that we are pursuing isn't coming, isn't happening. So, yeah. I just wanted to push the, the fruit example a little bit further. Because the point of a fruit on a tree or whatever is not actually to uh, make something tasty for someone to eat. It's actually to spread seed. So a tree makes a fruit that's going to drop and produce more trees, um, which has more fruit that continues to spread. So, I mean, I think the point is, it's your circle there where we're to make this fruit in, in someone else's life that actually turns into growth there that spreads out beyond. So yeah. It's not just the, the fruit isn't really sort of the end result that's kind of the, the final picture. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's good. Um, maybe maybe I'm thinking about about the, the the for other people as a very general umbrella, but because that, that would be for other people too that we're 
Yeah. We're, you, we're spreading that seed, so to speak, and others are benefiting from that. Right, right. Uh, you also reminded me that I would say that some, some of the, some, let me draw a little bit of a line on what I was saying. Fruit signifies the healthiness of a tree, does it not? Jesus talks a lot about fruits, or trees that don't bear fruit. He cuts down. Um, don't pay too much attention to that. No. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I want to see the fruit in my life because that tells me I'm healthy. How do I get healthy? Psalm 1, I need my roots planted in streams of what? Living water, membership, being in front of the gospel, being in community with others, taking the sacraments. That's your streams of living water. The Holy Spirit will do the rest of the work. Promises to. Good stuff, yeah. Anything else? Um, the church we came from for years and years, that was their byline. Ephesians 4.11, equipping the saints to minister. Part of the question that was left unanswered that we get challenged by here, we love, is what is the ministry? And the ministry is not just spiritual uh, activity. Uh, the ministry is also doing your work in a way that glorifies God, living out that biblical worldview, you know, that you put on there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's all of life. Right. It's not just the spiritual things of life. Right. It, it, it's the whole package. Yep. You know, and that, that's really important. Huge. It's huge. Hey, you know, this will be fun to do uh, for the for the next for the summer till we start back up. And I think August 20th is when Sunday school starts back up. Um, this would be a fun thing to continue to discuss. Uh, you know, for those that would, would want to do that, bring your graduation, bring your diploma, and um, we'll uh, we'll keep talking about this. Uh, I'd love to do that. So, let me pray for us so that we can go into worship on time. Heavenly Father, thank you for seeing us through uh, one more day. We pray that you give us good rest over the summer um, and give uh, give us time to reflect and to be intentional about. Sunday school in this church and why we're doing it and what we're doing it for, that we may um, benefit because of that. Uh, We ask that you be with us now as we head into worship, uh, that we would worship you in spirit and truth, and that you'd be glorified in the process. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen.